Last week, we got out of church early, so I'm going to take that time from last week and add it to this week, all right? Hallelujah. Glory to God. Praise the name of Jesus. No, I'm not going to do that to you. But I do want to share a few things here in the scriptures because we started a series a couple of weeks ago, and it is entitled New Beginnings, and we, dis- and, and we were talking about the crossover that we find in the beginning of the book of Joshua. We look at this story and we find this history of the children of Israel and we see them as they have wandered in the wilderness for these 40 years. And then finally, there comes a day when they are ready to cross over into the land of promise. Finally, there comes a day that it's time for them to move from where they were waiting and wandering to the place of now we're going to get into the promise. Now we're going to enter into everything we've been waiting for. And I've already communicated this, but I would just like to reiterate it because I see some faces that weren't here for that. I'm not talking about entering into a physical land. That is not what I'm talking about because obviously it is not about land. It's not about physical land. It is about us entering into another dimension in the spirit realm. It is about us living a life that is aligned with and fully trusting in the very promises of God that are found in the word. It is about us entering into a place where we are no longer waiting on miracles to happen but we are living a life where we are experiencing the full blessing of God in our lives that is the desire and the will of God that we experience the fullness of his blessings that we know his promises amen God wants us to know his promises but he also wants us to experience his promises because it's one thing to know how this works it's a whole different thing to see it working hear me now we don't, we, 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 don't, we don't serve a God that just wants us to be full of head knowledge. We serve a God that wants us to have experience with him. We serve a God that wants us to experience his promises, his purposes, and his will manifesting in our lives. I was talking to a brother the other day, and um, I, you know, I, I gave him a call. And he, you know, he was sharing his story with me, his, his story of how he got here from the state that he was living in. And so when I called him up, I said, you know, I, I, you know, I saw you in church and I wanted to give you a call. And so, you know, I said, so how'd you move down here? And so he began to communicate the story. He asked me a question. He says, um, well, do you want the long story? Or you want the short story? And I said, well, I got time. Give me the long one, you know, because I, I don't want him to miss a detail. And so he began to explain this story. And the whole time he was explaining this story, I just had a smile on my face From ear to ear as I was driving and listening to him because he was communicating to me how God was ordering his steps to come to this state from another state to start a church. Now, some of y'all be like, you were happy that someone else was starting a church. Yes, glory to God. We need more than one church on the planet. Hallelujah. Amen. And I don't mean, you know, anyway, I ain't going to get into that. But anyway, you know, I was excited that this brother had a calling and he was seeing He was experiencing the hand of God leading him and moving him and ordering his steps. That's exciting for me, church. That should be exciting for you to hear stories. That's why the Bible says we should rejoice with those who are rejoicing. At the same time, we should mourn with those who mourn. But the truth is that we should be happy and desirous to see God's plans be worked out in people's lives. Amen? We should be desirous to see those things in other people's lives, but also, also, We should be desirous to see those things in our lives. We should be desirous to see God working out those things that he promises that he's going to work out the way that he says he's going to work them out. 
It's vital for us. It is vital, vital, vital for us to look at, or, or, or when we look at these Old Testament records, and I don't even want to say stories, but when we look at these Old Testament records, that we do not see them as fairy tales, hello somebody, or simply old stories. A lot of times when we read our Bibles and we hear preaching, oh, Bishop, you're preaching from Joshua. That was thousands of years ago. How does that apply to me today? Listen, God inspired this word. Amen? Amen. I, want, I want you to understand something because this is very, very important that we grasp this reality. When the Apostle Paul was writing the, you know, the New Testament, when he was writing the books that he wrote and the epistles that he wrote, and he said all scripture is God-breathed, can I let you know something? He wasn't talking about the New Testament. The New Testament had not been completed yet. He was talking about the Old Testament. He was saying all scripture that we have is God-breathed. All scripture is good for the church today if it's used correctly. Amen. Amen. All scripture. We can't, just, we can't just say, well, we're just going to be a New Testament church. There is no New Testament without the Old Testament. Oh, y'all ain't saying nothing. There, 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 there is no New Testament without the Old Testament. There, there, is no, there, there, there is no today without the yesterday. Hello, somebody. And so we, 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 when, when we read these stories, it is important that we don't look at them as fairy tales because there's folks in the church that they think, you know, it's just fairy tale. You know, this is stuff that could happen. They don't even, they, they, they're reading the Bibles. Listen, and I'm not, I'm not talking out of the side of my neck here. I'm talking about I've had conversations with folks. Hello. That are like, did this really happen? Like, what, what, what do you think this is? This like a fairy tale part of the Bible, and this is the real part of the Bible? No, 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 no. Did, did the Red Sea really part? Did the sun really stop still in the sky? Yes. Did, 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 this is all truth. Amen? And as we read the New Testament, we find the Apostle Paul saying that these things are written for our example. Say, our example. These things are written for us to look at them, and so we can see some good stuff. Say, good stuff. And I won't have you say bad stuff, but there is some bad stuff. Hello, somebody, that we got to see there as well. But, but, but the things are there for our instruction. They're there to show us things. And so when we look at the Word of God, we look at these stories. They don't, they, they don't need to be seen as fairy tales, nor do they need to be seen as simply old stories. But we must view them first and foremost. Hear me now. We must view them as God's resume. Did you hear me? When we're reading these stories, what God is communicating, we're reading these records, this is a record of how God Almighty has dealt with humanity throughout history. Amen, somebody. This is a record. This shows us his resume. This says what he will do, what he won't do. This communicates to us the way that he has acted. Therefore, we need to see the word of God through that for first and foremost as who God is. Secondly, we need to see it as our example of do's and don'ts. Amen. We need to see this as thing, man, there's, there's some stuff we shouldn't be playing with. There, there's no excuse. Hello. There's some things, there is no excuse. Why are we, you know, as Sister Jamie was sharing, you know, we shouldn't put ourselves back in these positions. You know what? I'll tell you like this. There's some things we should never even experience if we would just read this Bible and take it at face value. We wouldn't go through half of the things that we experience. But, you know, some of us are hard-headed. Hello. And we don't like to read and meditate and learn. Okay, glory to God, hallelujah. 
So the first thing, this is God's resume. The second thing, we, are, we see this as examples of do's and don'ts. And lastly, we must look at it from the scope of life that is given to us from the New Testament. In other words, whenever we read, see, because while the Apostle Paul was penning this New Testament, even though it wasn't, pe- it, it wasn't completed when he was speaking, it was in the process of being completed. And now we have this wonderful New Testament that is the light. Hello, somebody. Not the shadow. It is the light. It is the fuller revelation, the more clear revelation. Revelation and understanding of who God is. We get the full balance. Amen, somebody. And so when we look at these stories, we've got to see it through the scope of that life. We've got to look at that from where we, from, from where the word of God shows us, okay, this is where we are. We're over here. So now we're looking, and it's awesome because we get to see it. You know, people say hindsight is 2020. Amen. And so when you when you're looking at it from over here, it's a whole different picture. So When we're looking at the word of God, we see these wonderful things. Now, why do I say all that? Because we looked at this crossover last last, last couple of weeks when I preached. We looked at this crossover. When we looked at this crossover, we found something that was awesome. We find in in the Old Testament the crossing over of the Jordan, and we find this great miracle that is accomplished by God in conjunction with his servant's obedience. Hear me, church. It wasn't just, you know, that Joshua had nothing to do with it. It wasn't that the people of God or nothing. If the people of God would not have obeyed, and we're going to talk about obedience in a little bit, but what I want you to realize is that obedience is primary, hello, in our lives. Obedience to what the scriptures teach. Obedience to what the word of God communicates. We need to make that a top priority. Needs to be a top priority in our life because God hasn't changed. God required obedience then. He requires obedience today. Same God. Hasn't changed. So when we're reading these stories, we need to look at, okay, well, that's one thing. We see this great miracle. But it gets better than that because we also find a wonderful correlation. We find a correlation between the Red Sea crossing and the Jordan crossing. So when we're looking at this, what do we see? We see, again, when they came into the wilderness, they had to cross over or cross through the Red Sea. So we see this wonderful correlation. In order for them to get into the promised land, they had to cross over another body of water. Here's, here's the thing, though. When you look at these stories, that's the, that's the similarity. But there's a difference. When they crossed over the Red Sea to come into the wilderness, you know what that crossing over meant? That crossing over meant you're done with your enemies. Now walk over here. Now the crossing over the Jordan, different significance. It's not you're done with your enemies. Now it's time to fight. Did you hear me? See, when they, when, when they crossed over the first time, you're done with these enemies. I'm closing the enemies. I, I'm going to show you how awesome I am. You've been under this bondage for all these 400 years plus, so guess what I'm going to do? I'm going to move you across, and while they're chasing you, hello, and you're scared, you're like, oh, my goodness, you know, what's going to happen? I'm going to show you that I am God Almighty. But now, now I've walked you around, hello, 40 years, and now it's time for me to bring you to another crossover. But this one, not the same thing. This one, I'm crossing you over to face all of these enemies. Because I'm going to show you again that I'm God Almighty. And, 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 but, but, but see, the correlation gets better. I love the word of God because it is so amazing. Because the correlation goes to, uh, with us to the New Testament. Hmm. Jesus, on the cross, he did what? He disarmed every power, defeated every principality. He destroyed every work of darkness that there was. 
So he crossed over for us, and therefore his crossover signifies defeat, destruction, annihilation to the kingdom of darkness. But the moment that you and I cross over in faith into a relationship, guess what? It's time for us to fight. Did you hear me? And so we, we, we understand Jesus destroyed the works of darkness. The Bible is clear on that. But that doesn't mean that the enemy just sits back when we cross over and says, okay, just walk peacefully, have a wonderful life. Come on, y'all know that, that that is not true. And so what do we see? We see in this story, we need to look at this because when we're looking at this story here, we realize these people were entering into this promised land and it wasn't like the enemy was just going to lay down for them. It was time for them to fight. The title of the message this morning is The Next Step. The next step, after you cross over, after you dealt with your flesh, because remember we did the whole symbolic crossing over and everyone that wanted to, they came to the front, the, you know, through the, through the leaders right there, came to the front, the Holy Spirit began to deal with you. And so now, okay, now that you've crossed over, now that you've decided that I'm no longer going to continue on over here wandering about, I'm no longer going to continue living how I was, but I'm going to be a person who's going to move into the fullness and fulfillment of God's purpose, what's the next step? If you were a boxer, I say put on the gloves. Hello. Because it's time for us to get into battle position. What do we see here? We see that the children of Israel were circumcised, they're resting, and then Joshua has this wonderful encounter. He has an encounter with someone who has a sword drawn. Says a man, he saw a man with a sword drawn. He goes over to this person and says, Are you for us? Or are you for the enemy? In other words, do I have to fight you? Or you're going to fight with us. I mean, did you come over here because you're representing them? Or are you here to represent us? And he says, hold up, hold up. Time out. No. I'm the commander of the Lord's army. The question is, whose side are you on? It ain't, ain't, ain't whose side I'm on. Whose side are you on? You with me? And what did Joshua do? He falls down in worship. Giving us an awesome example. Because we all want to have public victories, but we don't want to have private intimacy. We all want to be receiving accolades and pats on the back and see all the demons and kingdoms conquered and all this wonderful stuff happening in our lives. But yet we don't want to have that private intimacy bowing before the Lord. What, is your, what, what, what does my Lord say to his servant? So he has this awesome worship experience. And then he's ready. Then he's ready to go and confront all of these things that he's going to fight in this land. The next step to crossing over church is after we deal with our flesh is warfare. I want you to repeat this after me. Say this. Victorious living is contingent upon our obedience. Victorious living is contingent upon our obedience. Now notice what I didn't say. I didn't say your salvation Hear me. I didn't say you're going to earn your salvation. What I said is victorious living is contingent upon obedience. See, we, have, we, 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 got, we got to get this down deep in our spirit. We got to make sure that we understand how important obedience is. Obedience is something that is vital to God, church. This is the reason why the book of James talks about hearing the word and just hearing and not doing it. Because you know what? You are deceiving yourself. There are plenty of folks that hear the word and yet they deceive themselves. They know what the scriptures teach and they feel that that is enough. 
That is not enough. It is not enough to know what the scriptures teach. It is not enough to know every message that you heard preached for the last year. You can remember it verbatim. If you are not living it, it is worthless. You can jump, scream, shout, sit there and be quiet. You can do whatever it is, however it is that you respond to that word, and you can know it. And if you are not walking in obedience to the scriptures, you or, or, or myself, we will never, ever walk in the victorious life that God wants us to walk in. Period. Period. And so we realize this. Obedience is the greatest demonstration of our faith in God and his word. Without our obedience, church, we will never see God's will fully manifested in our lives. Period. Without obedience. I want you to look over to chapter 6 here. Let's move forward when they go into this land. Because I want you to see how God communicates to Joshua and see what, 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 what was asked of them. We're looking at verse 1 here. We'll begin reading in verse 1. And then we'll, move, we'll go to verse 5. And then we'll look at 15 to 19. In verse 1 it says, now Jericho was securely shut up because of the children of Israel. None went out and none came in. And the Lord said to Joshua, see, I have given Jericho into your hands. It's king and the mighty men of valor. Then you shall march around, you shall, you shall march around the city, all you men of war. You shall go all around the city once. This you shall do six days. And the priest and, and seven priests shall bear seven trumpets of ram's horns before the ark. But the seventh day you shall march around the city seven times, and the priest shall blow the trumpets. It shall come to pass when they make a long blast with the ram's horn, and when, and, and when you hear the sound of the trumpet, that all the people shall shout with a great shout, that then the wall of the city will fall down flat, and the people shall go up, every man straight before him. So what is God doing here? God has given them a battle plan. He's saying, this is how you're going to take this city. You're not going to take this city by trying to run these walls down. You're not going to take this city by setting up explosives. You're going to take this city by obeying what I am communicating to you. That is the way that you're going to take this city. He goes on in verse 15 to continue on. Joshua speaking now. But it, but, but it came to pass on the seventh day that they rose early about the dawning of the day and marched around the city seven times in the same manner on that day only they marched around the city seven times and the seventh time it happened when the priest blew the trumpet that Joshua said to the people shout for the Lord has given you the city now the city shall be doomed by the Lord to destruction it and all who are in it only Rahab the harlot shall live she and all who are with her in her house because she hid the messengers that we sent and you, by all means, abstain. Here we go now. We're hearing another command here. By, by all means, abstain from the accursed things, lest you become accursed when you take of the, of the accursed things and make the camp of Israel a curse and trouble it. But all the silver and gold and vessels of bronze and iron are consecrated to the Lord. They shall come into the treasury of the Lord. And it goes on to communicate exactly what happens. So Joshua, he goes on ahead. He gives the command. He receives the direction from the Lord. He gets the direction. He said, listen, this is the way you're going to do it. You walk around the city six times. I mean, each day for six days, you walk around one time. On the seventh day, you're going to circle this city. And I'm pretty sure everybody's very familiar with this story. You circle the city seven times. On the seventh time, you're going to hear this loud blast of the trumpet. You're going to shout. These walls are going to come down. But there is something that happens when you go in there. You are going to kill everybody. You're going to destroy everything. But every single thing, every article of gold, silver, all of the riches, all of that stuff, it doesn't go to you. You don't touch that. You take it and it goes into the treasury of the Lord this is what God communicates he tells them this and he gives them some some specific mandates church why is this important for us again it's about obedience 
It's about the principle of obedience. It's about doing exactly what God says to do. And so we find here because what God doesn't want, and now look at this. This is the reason why God communicates to them not to touch that stuff, not to take it, because he doesn't want them to walk in a curse. It's not because he wants to be greedy. I mean, think about it. Is God hungry? Hello, somebody. Is God broke? He needs the, he needs the gold. I mean, come on now. Think about this stuff. God doesn't need anything of monetary value. He is the owner of all of it. Hello, somebody. And so obviously, we know that that wasn't the problem. What God was trying to do is keep them from a curse because this is what has to happen. The first thing that had to happen here is they had to make sure that they gave God all of the glory. Say, all the glory. All of the honor that he was worthy of. And when they went into this city, they were to take nothing for themselves. They were to put this stuff in the storehouse. They were to take care of what? They were to take care of the treasury of the Lord to fill that first, right? I'm, I'm, I'm just telling you what the scriptures say. Just the scriptures. I ain't got, we ain't going nowhere else. We're talking about that. Amen, somebody? <laughs> Glory to God. People get nervous. Hallelujah. Stop mentioning gold and silver and people start shaking. It's all right. I'd like to make you shake. Glory to God. Uh-huh. Communicates to them. Gives them the command. Walk around the city. So they bring it to pass, church. They do everything exactly like God says. They walk around day one, walk around day two, walk around day three, walk around day four, day five, day six. They don't make a peep because that was the other thing. They had to walk around the city. The only thing, they heard the, the trumpet blast. That was the only sound. Nobody making a noise. Everybody doing everything wonderfully. Seventh day comes, walking around the city seven times. Hear the loud trumpet blast. Walls come down. Go into the city. Rahab and her family taken care of. Everything's looking good, right? Everything's wonderful. Up to this point, everything's great. Come back from the victory, giving high fives. Yeah. Ooh, God did it. We the people of God. Excited, stirred up. God gave them this wonderful victory. They go into, you know, their, their, you know, their, their, their places of dwelling, and they're there, you know, excited. I mean, God just did an amazing work, an amazing, amazing work. It's about obedience. Obedience, church. We have to look at, are we obeying what God says? First and foremost, are we obeying the scriptures? How many, I don't know how many conversations I have with folks. And we talk about disobedience. And we talk about people asking. I, I had a great conversation with someone the other day. We were talking about, you know, just certain behaviors, certain things. And when this person was talking to me, you know, we're having a conversation and I'm counseling them. And I gave them a scripture. And I said, here's what the scripture said. This is what's wrong with your behavior. This is what the scripture said. And the person said to me, very sincerely, well, why didn't God speak that to me? <laughs> and listen, this, this was a good conversation. This is not a bad conversation. This person wasn't upset with me. This person was, get, was, was honoring God for the counsel that was coming to their life. But the reality is that's the reason why I say it's not enough to read your Bible. You need to meditate on the scriptures because God did say it. And a lot of times we are waiting on God to speak to us. Hear me now. We're waiting on God to speak to us, yet we don't crack open our Bibles. Did you hear me? 
God, speak to me. Now, I want to say to this person's defense, that isn't the case with this person. I know this person. This person is definitely in their word. This person is definitely seeking God. There is no question about that. I know this for a fact because of conversations that we have. Obviously, we all grow in grace. Amen? We grow in our ability to memorize scriptures and things of that nature. But here is the reality. Most of the time, many of us, many of us are asking God, God, speak to me on this. And you know what? The truth is you really don't want to hear what God has to say. You, know, you, 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 you really don't want God to speak to you. Because when he speaks to you and he comes from this word right away, oh, no, that don't apply to today. Hmm. Church, God spoke to them. Why is obedience so important? Because God has always and will always require obedience from his people. Obedience does not save us, but it demonstrates our salvation, and it guarantees us complete victory over the enemy. It guarantees us complete victory over our flesh, and it guarantees us to possess lives that bear kingdom fruit. Obedience is vital, church. If we are going to walk in the full blessing, if we're going to walk in the fullness of God's promises, we have got to determine that we are going to walk in obedience no matter how difficult, no matter what it costs us, no matter who likes it or who doesn't like it. We are going to walk in obedience to the scriptures. That's got to be in our heart. It has to be in our heart. No matter what we want to do. We have got to determine, God, I'm going to walk in obedience. Let me explain it like this. Maturity in Christ can be measured by our heart-born obedience. Hear me, church. You want to talk about someone who's mature? I'm not talking about religious folks. That's not what I'm talking about. Because there's plenty of religious folks. I've heard the most horrible stories that I've ever heard in my life, hearing of people who used to watch their fathers pray every morning for an hour and get up come home from work, and beat their moms. Horrible stories. Horrible stories. You wonder what was going on in that hour. Were they just sleeping? Was God, I mean, what, what was happening within that hour that they were supposedly praying? Because I would think an hour of prayer, that's a long time to really be in God's presence. And you're going to tell me you're going to be in God's presence for an hour a day? And there's not going to be some heart change that is going on. There's not going to be some situations that are going on inside of your heart that are changing you to deliver you from being abusive in these areas. I would think so. Hello. So you hear these horrible stories. I'm not talking, uh, you know, and, and you know, you, 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 I'm not talking about people who come to church, you know, to every service that we have. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm not those, those, those are external acts of obedience, and those things are all important, church. But I'm talking about heartborn obedience. I'm talking about obedience that comes out of my relationship with Him. Obedience that proceeds from me being in His presence, being in His Word, and in that time, His Word being transferred into my heart and transforming me and changing my outward behaviors not because I know I got to do this but because I am in love with him and because I know him and I recognize that he is showing me what he requires of me he's showing me what he desires me to do he's showing me how he wants me to live and therefore because I am intimately connected with him because I am connected to him in this relationship what happens is there is a heart-born obedience that comes out of my life and that is where fruit comes from church because fruit, my daddy told me something. He told me that fruit has to do with the root. What makes you fruitful? Where's the root? What kind of fruit are you bearing? Where is the root? You can do good stuff and not be connected to the vine. Hello, somebody. 
That's not kingdom fruit. That's not the fruit that Christ is producing in you. You can do good. There's plenty of good folks. And, I, and, and listen, I, I, I do not want to sound mean or, 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 you know, unsympathetic when I say this. There are plenty of good folks that are going to go to hell. Did you hear what I just said? There are plenty of good people who are going to do good stuff, who are never going to rob no one, who are, who, who are never going to rob anyone, I'm sorry, who are never going to rob anyone. Glory to God. Had to fix that double negative right there. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. There are people who will never commit adultery. There are people who will never lie. There are people who will never cheat. There are people who will never be dishonest on their income tax. There are folks who will never, look, they, they will never get into a fight, never do anything that they consider wrong. And when they come before God, he will tell them, I never knew you. Why? Because it's about the connection. The connection to the Savior Church. Maturity is measured by that because that's what we call conviction. That's where you get conviction out of relationship. When you have a relationship with him, you don't need to be convicted by me. You don't need to be convicted by somebody else. You are convicted directly by the Holy Spirit. Now, I go back to my conversation that I had with this godly person that was asking me about this particular thing. Look, they are growing in Christ. And there are some things that we, as brothers and sisters, leaders to sheep, whatever, however you want to look at it, there are some things that God will use someone else to remind you of. And you know what will happen from that moment on? Because you have a relationship, that will become a conviction in your life. Not because you're being religious, but because the Holy Spirit has shown you, this is what my word says, and now you're going to walk in that. Amen? Amen? And so maturity, church, can be measured. That's not the only measurement, but it can be measured by that heart-born obedience. So the question is this, and I'm going to close here with this point because I don't want to keep you much longer today. I'll do the other point when I preach the next time. But hear me now. The question is this. Are you in this place today? And I need you to pay attention for the next two moments, please. Don't let anybody distract you or anything else. But, but are you today connected to that vine? Are you today connected to Christ? I'm not asking you if you do good things. I'm asking you, are you connected? Have you crossed over for real? I'm not talking about, you know, the, what we did symbolically. I'm talking about for real in your heart. Have you crossed over into that relationship? Have you accepted and come to that reality that you are a person who is a sinner? You are a person who can never, ever be good enough to please God. Have you come to that realization? Because if you and I do not come to that realization that we can never please God, we will never understand why we need Jesus. Did you hear what I just said? And so the question is, are you connected to that relationship? Are you walking in that intimacy? Are you tired of the life, hello somebody, that you may be experiencing now? And you know what? That life may be good. You may have a car. You may have a house. You may have a job. You may have money. You may have a good spouse. You may have nice kids, but still there's something missing in your life. So are you that person that says, man, you know, I have all this good stuff around me, yet there's something lacking. See, these are the questions we have to ask ourselves, church. We have to consider those things because, see, there's a reality whether we want to believe it or not. There are plenty of people. I was just sharing with a vision carrier this morning. There are plenty of folks who come into church week in and week out, and they're not connected. They're not connected to Christ. They're not connected in that relationship. And that is the most important thing because, you know what, every other commandment, every other thing that God requires of us, if we're connected in that relationship, it flows from that relationship. I'm not trying to please God. I'm walking in a relationship and allowing the life of God to live through me. Hear me. 
So the question is that, are you connected? Have you had that understanding that, man, I can be as good and as perfect as I think I can be, and it still ain't good enough. It's still not good enough. That's the, that, that, that's the first question. And then when you come to that reality, then you can come to the next one, which is, man, God is so awesome. He is so amazing. Because he knew that my, that my righteousness, that my good works, that all the good stuff that I do was like filthy rags. And so you know what he did? He provided a way for me to experience that life, to connect myself to him. The Bible calls it reconciliation. To come into a relationship, to be separated from God, to now be brought back together. And that's what God wants. He sent his son for that. For each and every one of us in here. And you know what? There's some people in here, you're already in that relationship. And I pray to God that you're praying right now for those who are not. I pray that you're not getting bored saying that. I hope Bishop, hurry up and finish this. Because if you are, you don't have the heart of God. I hope that you're praying and really asking the spirit of God to touch someone's life through what is being communicated right now. Because this is vital to someone. Because you know what? You can walk in here today and leave here and, and be a totally changed and transformed person if you allow him to connect you. And, I don't, and the only way that that connection happens, church, the only way that connection happens is by you accepting what the word of God says about Jesus. Accepting what the word of God says about Christ. Believing in your heart that he is what the word of God says. Saying, God, I recognize your son came. See, because here's the thing. Understand me why that is so important. Hallelujah. When you accept what the word of God says about Christ, you accept your condition and you accept your need for him as Savior. When you accept the fact that Jesus had to suffer that gruesome death, that Jesus had to go through everything that he went through, that the Son of Almighty God came to this earth, you begin to understand, man, I need to repent of my sins. I need to ask him for forgiveness. I need to acknowledge him as God Almighty. I need to recognize I ain't my own God. And that was a double negative. I'll leave that one there. I'm not my own God. I don't run my own life. I need to come to him with all of my heart. So everybody stand to your feet, please, and bow your heads.